Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Histories of the Unexpected, the show where we demonstrate that everything, simply everything, has its own history, like dogs... Scabs and dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are in fact all about female power, but we will be following the links as we come across them in our minds, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, who knew that the history of Mozart is in fact all about Nazi propaganda, or that the history of faces is all about Tudor society? The man sitting opposite me who will help navigate us through this wonderful historical world is one of the country's leading professors of history. It's Professor James Daybell. Hi, James. Hello, Sam. And the man sitting opposite me is the famous historical adventurer, Dr Sam Willis. Hello, Sam. Hello, everyone. This is another episode in our special series of homeschooling. And in each episode, we're going to take a subject that I bet you don't think has a history. And we're going to prove that it does. And today, this is a really good one. We're going to do the history of scars. Oh, ow. Oh, I love that. Particularly gruesome, this one. Now, how do you start yeah, yeah. writing a history of star? Scar. Scars, even. Not stars. Scars. <laughs> I think you um I always like to to go back to to our own experiences our own lives and I think one of the most easy ways of doing it is to look at your own body and to look at the scars that you've got on your skin to think about how you got them and to see how rapidly that transports you back to an earlier different time of your life and you might be able to think about where you were, what the weather was like, who you were playing with, how how did it happen? Or whether you weren't playing at all, but how did that scar get there? So actually thinking about scars is a really, it's like a time machine, James. It transports you back in the past. And you can read your skin, can't you? Like a historical document. If you've got a particularly gruesome scar on your knee that was caused by something, that tells you something about your your own history in the past. But this art of scarification as experts would term it, is a very important historical practice that has varied across time and across continents. And it changes in all sorts of different ways. It can be used as a tribal ritual. So if you have a look at, in West Africa, scarification on the face was used to resemble 
families and groups. And for women, women were often scarred across their body as a sign of fertility, as a sign that you would be a good wife and a good mother. And it's interesting to think about how these scars were formed. And you could either form them by cutting or branding, or in the example of African tribes, what would happen is they would make an incision in the skin, they'd lift the skin up and then they would poke hot material beneath the skin. And when that healed, you were left with a slightly raised bump kind of scar. And in Western culture, we're very used to scars being something that are seen as ugly or something that is to be hidden away. But in African culture, among African tribes, it was something to be proud of. And particularly with women, it was something connected to beauty. And there are lots of examples of, of famous people in history who had remarkable scars, aren't there, James? There are. I mean, take, for example, the Prussian Chancellor Otto von Bismarck, one of my heroes in history. This was the man who was responsible for the formation of Germany, for German unification through a series of lightning wars in the second half of the 19th century. And when he was a young man away at university, he was very, very fond of duelling. And throughout the German states during this period, there were all sorts of university clubs that were involved in fencing. And an anecdote tells of him receiving on one occasion a nasty wound from a duel, a nasty wound across his cheek. And instead of going and getting it stitched up as you might do today, Otto von Bismarck instead rubbed salt into the wound to exacerbate it so that he'd be left with a very clear scar across his face, which was connected to his masculine honour and identity. He was basically showing that he was a very tough individual indeed. I've got an equivalent of that, and that would be Horatio Nelson. You were a bit of a fanboy of Otto von Bismarck, which I always think is a slightly strange sentence. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was always brought up with... Um, um, my grandfather was in the Royal Navy and we had portrait. I think it was, I think there was a portrait of Nelson in the downstairs loo. Uh, and, and, um, and my grandfather since died and I've still got that picture. Um, but I became very interested in Horatio Nelson. So this is naval heroes of the 18th century, the great age of sail. And Nelson famously died at the battle of Trafalgar in 1805. But just before he died, he actually sat down and wrote a list of wounds received by Lord Nelson. And this is Nelson himself writing it. It's quite strange. He didn't just say by myself, um, referring to himself in what we call the third person. Then he wrote down this list, his eye in Corsica, that was when he was blinded by shrapnel in a battle with the Spanish. His belly off Cape St. Vincent. That was when he received a hernia, which is when you split the lining of your stomach and bits of, bits of your, your stomach poke out. Horrible. And he, actually, his hernia was the size of a fist. That's how big his wound was. His arm at Tenerife. This was when he was shot in the elbow. He had to have his right arm amputated. His head in Egypt, when he was hit on the head by a piece of flying wood and it caused a, a flap of skin to peel off his scalp. And there were many other ones as well, actually, sort of invisible scars you couldn't see. He was badly affected by malaria his entire life as well. So that's my fascinating example of people with scars. But today, James, we're going to talk about scars in specific relation to slavery to help people we who are revising the topic of slavery. We are, Sam. And what we've been talking about so far are accidental scars 
and medical scars and intentional scars if you think about West African tribes. I also want to talk now about a kind of intentional scar that is connected to slavery and to start with a story of a man called Gordon or Whipped Peter and the way in which this African-American slave is connected to scars. He is probably one of the most famous examples of the use of barbaric cruelty that was administered to him from repeated whipping. Now, the anecdote starts in March 1863 and Gordon or Whipped Peter escaped from his Louisiana plantation. This is a plantation owned by John and Bridget Lyons. It's about 3,000 acres in size and these two people owned Gordon himself and nearly 40 other slaves. He'd been on the run for 10 days during which period he was being traced, chased by armed men and a pack of dogs looking to sniff him out. He rubbed his body over with onions to throw the dogs off his scent and several days later he eventually reaches safety. He arrives at the Union camp in Baton Rouge where he is given his freedom. Once he's there on the 2nd of April 1863 he receives a medical examination which revealed very severe scarring on his back and during this examination by the doctors at the camp he recounted how he came by his scars and we have his first-hand testimony. Ten days from today I left the plantation. Overseer Artayu Carrier whipped me. I was two months in bed sore from the whipping. My master come after I was whipped. He discharged the overseer. My master was not present. I don't remember the whipping. I was two months in bed sore from the whipping and my sense began to come. I was sort of crazy. I tried to shoot everybody. They said so. I did not know. I did not know that I had attempted to shoot everyone. They told me so. I burned up all my clothes, but I don't remember that. I never was this way, in other words, crazy before. I don't know what make me come that way, crazy. My master come after I was whipped, saw me in bed. He discharged the overseer. They told me that I attempted to shoot my wife, the first one. I did not shoot anyone. I did not harm anyone. And so it goes on. And what you get here is a sense of his confusion and also the barbarism of him being whipped. But not only was he examined during this period by medical experts, but also there were two professional photographers present and they took a picture of his back which revealed lacerated scars across it. And this picture, this image, was turned into a postcard and was used for circulation by the Unionist side as evidence illustrating the horrors of slavery. And it was in fact published in July 1863 in Harper's Weekly, which is one of the most widely read publications during the Civil War. And there are all sorts of responses from this. The surgeon of the 1st Louisiana Regiment, writing to his brother in, in the city, enclosed the photograph to him, describing in words, there has lately come to us from Baton Rouge the photograph of a former slave, 
now thanks to the Union Army, a free man. It represents him in a sitting posture, his stalwart body bared to the waist, his fine head and intelligent face in profile, his left arm bent, resting upon his hip, and his naked back exposed to full view. Upon that back, horrible to contemplate, is a testimony against slavery more eloquent than any words. Scarred, gouged, gathered in great ridges, knotted, furrowed, the poor, tortured flesh stands out a hideous record of the slave driver's lash. I send you the picture of the slave as it appears after the whipping. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. Who's there? How about that? An absolutely horrific example of intentional scars to punish slaves that exposes the barbarity of the regime of slavery in the United States. 
And it was important that that photograph was then used to, to help, you know, people fight against slavery. But, you know, let's put this in context and try and understand what's going on here and how people ended up being um, being enslaved. I think the first thing to realise and to, to make a point about is that slavery has been something associated with human history for millennia. Um, and while we're going to be talking here about the 18th century and the 19th century and, and to a certain extent the 17th century, but actually it goes way, way back in time where you've had um, a, a stronger um, group of people who perhaps have uh, more military prowess, enslaving, capturing um, others and making them work for them. Um, in relation to the 18th century, this is all to do with um, Britain and developing colonies in the West Indies and also other European powers, Spain and Portugal, who had colonies in South America and also um, in, in the, around America, North America as well. Around 12 million Africans were taken to America as slaves between 1532 and 1832. So 300 years and at least a third of them on British ships. It's a profoundly important story to the history of Britain. It all began with the Portuguese and the Spanish. They were the first to travel across the Atlantic and to set up colonies in Brazil and in the Caribbean. And they started using slavery, slaves taken from Africa, to work on their plantations. The British get involved in the mid-16th century, so around the 1560s. And an Englishman called Sir John Hawkins was the first to capture African slaves. And he was then selling them to the Spanish. This all changed when the British themselves got colonies. In 1625, the British captured the island of Barbados, and 30 years later, they secured the island of Jamaica. And that meant that British people went out there, they set up farms, they started to farm sugar, among other things, and that meant that they needed a huge amount of manpower, and that manpower came from slavery. Well, how did this work? It worked, it was something called the triangular trade, and what the British were doing is they were taking goods that were cheaply made in the UK. They were taking manufactured goods. They were taking guns, pots, pans, things like cloth, because those goods, they were cheap to make in, um, in Britain, and then they were expensive for the Africans. So they took them to Africa. They then sold those goods. There was a high demand for them. They then had empty ships, and what they did is they filled up those ships with slaves. They then sailed across the Atlantic to the West Indies, to South America, to North America, and sold those slaves. And then, for the final leg of the journey, they took goods which were created on the western side of the Atlantic. Cotton, tobacco, uh, sugar, rum, and they brought them back to Britain where they sold them for a huge profit. So it was a very, very profitable business. And it's because it was such a, a big business, extraordinary records survive. We actually know a great deal about it. Um, here's a description from a slave who was taken to work in the West Indies. I saw many of my miserable countrymen chained together, some with their hands tied behind their backs. We were taken to a place near the coast and I asked the guide why we were here. He told me that I was to learn the ways of the white-faced people. He took a gun, some cloth and some metal. In exchange for me, this made me cry bitterly. I was then taken to a ship where I saw my fellow captives moaning and crying. Now, these slave ships were ships 
deliberately, carefully designed to cram as many human beings as possible on board them. They were absolutely, the appalling conditions might be as hot as 35 degrees and very poor sanitary conditions. So a lot of the slaves suffered from things like dysentery, from lying here in their own waste. The journey could last up to 70 days. Key thing to understand here is that as many as two million slaves died just on that journey alone. So cramped and unpleasant was it. And it was with such crowded humanity, it was perfect conditions for the breeding of diseases like smallpox as well as the measles. And we're going to be doing a podcast on the history of scabs soon where we talk about smallpox. So you need to see if you can listen to that. Once they arrived in the West Indies, there was a sale. The slaves were sold. Here's a description. On a given signal, the buyers rush at once into the yard where the slaves are kept and make a choice of the one that they like best. The noise and clamour increases the worry of the terrified Africans. In this manner, relations and friends are separated, never to see each other again. This slavery industry, the slavery business, came to an end uh, in the early years of the 19th century. It was abolished in 1807. That was the first uh, act to abolish it. But people who had slaves were still allowed to keep their own slaves. And it wasn't until 1833 that Parliament completely abolished slavery itself. And there are a number of reasons as to how and why this change happened. One was an economic reason. There was no longer so much demand for uh, tobacco and sugar to be farmed in the West Indies. A lot of it was then created in South America. So the British stopped buying so many slaves. But at the same time, those slaves themselves, certainly those who became free, began to campaign against slavery. It was taken up as well by um, politicians in Britain. And there were also examples of slave rebellions. So all of these three things came together to help create a surge of interest to end this terrible industry. Now, we need a task to complete all of this today. Now, there are two tasks uh, that we could set you. Uh, the first is to be like Admiral Nelson and to make a list of your own scars and to describe how they were caused. So in other words, you're describing accidents that you've had. Maybe you've had injections that have left scars. So you can talk about medical scars. In other words, you can write your own personal history by looking at your scars. You can read your own body, read your skin like a historical document. And this is something that we do in our live show. The second, and this was something that I did when I was about 12 or 13, when I was studying slavery many, many years ago. And this was, think about what Sam was describing, life on a slave ship. Think about the terrible conditions and what we'd like you to do is to write a short account, a first-hand account, as if you were a slave experiencing those conditions on this ship. What was it like? Were you frightened? What were the conditions like? Were people ill? Was there disease? You know, were, you, were, you, were you hungry? Were you starving? Were you, were you hot? What was the crowding like? So describe that to give a sort of very vivid idea of what it would have been like to have been a slave in those appalling conditions. 
Well, good luck with all of that extra work, guys. I hope you enjoyed. Uh, do please check out historiesoftheunexpected.com. We're all over social media, so do please come and join us and make friends. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We've got more to come. We're about to do the history of scabs, which promises to be very good fun indeed. And uh, I hope you come back and listen to some more. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.